Yes. So first, are we close? Would you say you and I are close? Yes. Would but you I, say we're close? I feel like you and growing up, it was like you and Jed were close, and then I was kind of like the annoying little sister. Yeah, but that's also because we're a lot closer in age. We're one grade apart where I was a senior when you were a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like when people ask me, like, are you close with your brothers? My answer is always, well, I've gotten closer to them since I went to college. Definitely with age. Definitely with age, for sure. I think you just become more relatable versus when you're younger. It's, you know, just kind of so far off as far as common interests and whatnot. What was, like, the most annoying thing about me as a little sister? Um. Oh, you're just rolodexing through yeah, like your list of things. I got it. That's gonna that'd take a while to dig. There's there wasn't a whole lot of things, but that come to mind. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> I honestly don't know. I was definitely a tattletale. But that was just kind of by nature because I was. I feel like I was such a rule follower. <laughs> Yeah, not as bad as what you think, though. I feel like there's way worse. You really were pretty mild in that category. I feel like I probably didn't know a lot of, like, what you and Jed were up to because you guys were just hanging out. Yeah, you were pretty mild in the annoying category, I'll say. Talk about, like, your experience growing up, why you gravitated towards baseball, and, like, why that sport. Because you played a lot of sports as a kid. Yeah, but um, baseball probably just clicked with me the most – uh, just early interest. I think that's one of the first ones that mom and dad put Jed into was like T-ball. Like I feel like every kid. So I was always the kid kind of going to the practices and seeing what was going on. And I just kind of took a liking to it. But I think the biggest thing that baseball did for me was it, it it's a thing to like practice or a passion to put a lot of thing a lot into that you can also do on your own. Um, I feel like basketball, yes, you can go shoot and and shoot and shoot, but, like, to play actually in a game takes a lot of, like, coordinating with other players and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Where baseball, I could literally just go practice on a target, and when I go in the game, it's the same scenario. It's I have a a ball, I'm 60 feet, 6 inches away, and the target's the strike zone. Like, it's – so just because you're able to, I feel like, so closely by yourself – you know improve and i was just able at a young age to to put a lot of like that time into it just out of boredom i guess i was never a real big video game player i was never a big you know movie watcher i mean i was always outside doing something and i just gravitated towards baseball because it was something i could put that energy and that time into that i could also see improvement and compete with it you know just as a passion when did you first think like i could be a like i'm actually really good at this like i'm above my peers um i mean in the most humble way possible i've never been on a baseball field where i felt overmatched like i never was on the field and was like it's really the only sport i've always been on the field and it's like it's not a question in my head of who the best player is but from a talent level now from a performance side yes there's that's that's what makes the game so great is anybody can and anybody can perform when the lights come on and get the rewards of that uh it's not always about who's the best on paper who's the most talented who can run the fastest it's about you know for the three hours who's the best when when you know when the umpire says play ball um but baseball i've always felt 
I guess I would just say ahead of the curve for the most part for most of my career now there's been years here and there where I've really struggled but now because I've been playing for so long but early on I mean it's hard to hard for me to imagine a time where I wasn't I didn't feel like I could really do well but on that same note it's just that expectation for myself maybe where I I may have played what some other players would have called a good game for them but I would handicap it to myself and say no that's not good enough so I had this image of my head of what I should be doing and it was always just about training until I could could play to that level of my capabilities um yeah that's so you're when you get into high school you're what five seven yeah about five foot seven and you're a catcher I'm a catcher and then when do you hit your growth spurt and talk through that story of like so I start high school at five foot seven now mind you I was the age of an eighth grader because of just where my birthday is I'm a November birthday graduated high school 17 so at the time I'm like 13 years old I think right yeah going in 13 going in so I'm really underdeveloped from that standpoint and then you know throw on top of it that I'm playing varsity baseball because of uh, an injury happens in front of me and they don't have a catcher and now I feel really overmatched from a physicality standpoint but the growth spurt really took off between my freshman and sophomore year where I came back to school and it felt like teachers didn't even like recognize me like a lot of people doing double takes just because I had sprouted up so much probably just north of six foot six foot one six foot two so that was really the first sign of seeing some size and some physicality in my game because I think that's what's made me such a um, a unique player is I had to develop a lot of skills and work on my skills because a lot of times as a younger player I was overweight slower physically overmatched but skill wise I was able to always outskill the other players now when I'm starting to get into high school as a sophomore and I hit that growth spurt that took me to six foot one, six foot two. Now I am starting to see the benefits of the physicality part of my game, which ironically has now become, you know, a big part of what I do. So do you say that it was more beneficial for you to almost go through that being undersized than had you been held back a year and had that full year of development, or do you think you it would wouldn't have made a difference? I'd like to say it wouldn't have made a difference. I mean, there's certain benefits to it. Like, I think I it forced me to compete. It forced me to, um, you know, I really had to develop my own confidence, right, because you're playing against 18-year-old guys who are playing at a little different, like with a little different, you know, edge or swagger to them than maybe when you're playing in a 14-and-under baseball game. Um, yeah, I think there was some definitely some benefits of it, but I also think if you look at it, the coin on the other side, my career would have just gone a lot differently had I been with the class behind me playing in that grade another year to get seen on the recruiting trail. As a catcher, maybe I moved to a pitcher the year earlier than I did, gave me more experience. I mean, in my career, you just never know how it can play out, but I don't look back on it as a negative or positive. I just look at it back on a neutral like it just was the circumstances and happened the way it happened. And my job is to make the best of the hand that I have. And when you changed from a catcher to a pitcher, what what was the story? I mean, I know you were working at camp or something. Yeah, so I was at a tryout, like like a 14 through 18 tryout, like they always have them in August, for the fo- so to make the following spring's teams. 
and um i was just messing around and they had the radar gun out so i was like oh, i'll throw a few off the mound and i think i was in sneakers at the time like turfs and was like 88 89 just sitting there and felt really easy and the the weirdest part to explain to people is like i have no clue that that's gonna be what it is at the t- like i knew i threw hard but i mean i'm guessing 84 max like it looks like when i'm watching it go up to the plate like that's got to be like 82 miles an hour but then it's 88 89 not long after you know they tell me i'm probably not going to catch again because i'm at the time i'm 16 and you're sitting 88 89 not long after it's 90 then it's 91 90 91 you know were those jumps like were they calculated in like results of your training or was it just kind of like the more you learn the mechanics of it it just kind of both definitely both um mechanically you you get more efficient just from doing something over and over and over again um and just getting my arm conditioned to be a pitcher because it's a different level of like effort that you're throwing with yeah um but at the same time i was also working out hard so i was seeing benefits on both sides that where i was getting stronger and my mechanics were getting slightly better and it was just kind of all coming together and then by that time i had grown into like six three six four so now you're seeing like the where people like that was the first time in my life like where people are saying like man you're big like as a junior and senior in high school they're like man you're big like before I always felt like I was going to be big and I was big but like I was never the tallest never the you know it wasn't like a standout thing but now it's like I'd walk into the room and people would be like holy like you're a big dude and you know and then you commit you commit to Illinois fall of your senior year yeah commit fall of my senior year um after decommitting decommitting from cincinnati and earlier in the fall because the coach uh, didn't want to take me as a pitcher so i ended up going to illinois and just that that whole recruiting process was kind of a blur now that i look at it because i made like so many visits in such a small amount of time illinois Illinois, indiana Indiana, ball state ball state miami of ohio um and then i had talked to a bunch of others on the phone but it was really getting down to the two weeks before signing day and I'd already missed like a bunch of days of school taking visits and in retrospect I wish I would have waited because I think there was just more I needed to figure out on my own on what I wanted to do from a development like for what I wanted to do for my future but I had to kind of make a decision because it was two weeks before signing day then if you don't sign by signing day then you're taking the risk of like hey they're not going to have any scholarships so you start fighting that battle and I had had some nice offers on the table so I wasn't going to you know let them sit there so I signed and I ended up going to Illinois. And while at Illinois you you know you're going in as a pitcher but you're also planning on hitting. Yeah, I was definitely at that point still very much a two-way player. Um, I'd had some really good success as a hitter and had an okay summer as a pitcher. Not great. I was li- I a little wild. Um, but at the at the plate, I had a really good summer hitting, and I ended up playing a lot of first base and hitting with my Midland Redskins uh, 18 and under team where we were one of the better, best teams in the country that year and had like a lot of Division One players and a lot of guys that are still playing – now and at the high minor league levels and uh, I remember hitting with those guys and feeling really confident that I'd be able to go in and hit at Illinois and um, yeah so I was definitely still very much a two-way player going in there as a freshman even throughout the fall it was definitely 
looking at getting at bats during the spring and ended up getting some at bats during the spring. But yeah, that very much two way player that first year. And you experienced a couple injuries at Illinois um, before getting drafted by the White Sox in 2018. How devastating were those injuries, timing wise, recovery wise? How how taxing were they? Uh, definitely taxing. The hardest part is not playing to the level that you feel is acceptable like even because even you've if, already set that higher standard well, for yourself too. i felt like even if i never picked up even if i never practiced once like going back now i could never take a not even take a swing not even throw a bullpen and i would still feel like i would put up better i felt like i'd put up better numbers than i would did at the time even though we were i was practicing all the time and we were practicing all the time as a team and i'm getting a lot of swings in and i'm throwing all the time and i just felt like i was getting worse and worse and worse and it was just taking a freaking toll on me and then you compound that with the injuries and now you're you know kind of losing your what i would say like leverage in your career what it feels like like you feel like you're kind of losing your footing yeah like your window's closing and you just feel like you're hurt all the time like it was hard to sleep because i was in a lot of pain like there was a it was a real 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 shitty time for me personally and so i mean looking back on it you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger but at would i've liked to go through that again no and those injuries were really really you know like they took their toll for sure and despite that you still get drafted in 2018 yes and experience another injury yeah so i tear my lat right off the bone off my back and wake up with it in my side the next morning and it it was pretty devastating injury um something i wouldn't wish on anybody else that's for sure uh long like how painful on a scale of one to ten like maybe ripped, not like crazy like bone. seven or eight but like it is a deep burning like like sizzling soreness in your side um non-stop like i went to the trainer and told him that because when you first do it it just swells up and you don't actually see anything like wrong like physically with it so they just thought it was a, str- a bad strain and they're like oh well, we'll start rehabbing it blah 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 and i was like no like i think i need to go to the hospital because i'm in some serious pain and i don't think i'm gonna be able to sleep tonight and so they end up convincing me just to take like some ibuprofen or advil and so i did and i went home slept taught like long obviously like crazy long night like you're talking like i don't even think i slept till four or five in the morning and then i go to stand up out of the bed and my whole side like my side of my body probably like the top two-thirds from my armpit kind of down to like my waist area high waist area was like all black and blue like string of black and blue going down the side and i had a bulge in my like lower right ab where the muscle had slipped down to and now you're going into the training room and it's like kind of like an oh shit moment where it's like all right this is worse than we thought mri tear surgery pretty quick i mean not a lot a whole lot of time to think you're kind of going from an mri appointment to then you're sitting out there for three or four days five days maybe i mean like yeah it feels like forever at the time but it's like moving pretty quick i mean i think i had surgery like 10 days later and then i'm back home sleeping on a recliner the lazy boy the lazy boy we still have it and you recover from that you don't pitch for a year Mm. you go back to pitch it's 
now 2019. Mm-hmm. No, 2019, I was all oh, rehab. I was all rehab. So then 2020 so, comes around and, it, and then COVID hits. Yeah, but 2019 was a big year because I go back to school, uh, get a lot of my degree work done, do the early physical therapy part there, which... This is spring 2019. This is fall 2019. Fall. Okay. So I go, I... Summer of 18, I have surgery. So you shut down the whole fall. 18, I finish, uh, go back to school as well, though, like in my sling, and do the early parts of the rehab in the fall of 18. 19 rolls around they shut me down the whole summer and i still kind of don't know why because i felt like i needed kind of like a kick in the ass to like get the get throwing again and get it going because like i was gonna have to work through some some like some shit you know when you're talking about like a lat rehab you can't like dip your toe in at some point you have to once it's healed and you're moving around then you need to start throwing because it's like you need to start working that those muscle groups again or else they're just gonna get further and further away from what you want them to be so I kind of thought I needed a kick in the ass with the rehab and they put the brakes on. And so I didn't even throw, I didn't even throw until July or August. And then the season was over and like start throwing, like playing catch and then off a mound. So it's like, I barely got my first mound throws in before the season ended. And I was thinking I was going to throw in April and be like ready to face hitters in June, you know? And it's like, no, I haven't even seen, so you graduate what so i graduate in the winter so i go back those two semesters those two semesters were huge for me because they got me away from baseball like i was just a normal student at illinois i woke up amazing amazing (laughs) so amazing like to not wake up early to when was the earliest you like had to wake up what was your oh like probably a 9 30 class but like to me at that time after playing at illinois that's like God, that's like the best day ever. Nine thirty is like early. Like I could do that every day. Illinois was a lot of like six a.m. workouts, six fifteen workouts, like pretty regularly. So like you were up at you know five fifty, like ass crack of dawn, and like which affects like you know like the whole night before. Like you're going to bed at nine or ten o'clock if you know you got to be up at five in the morning, five fifteen. Yeah. Like, you know, it changes like your whole life versus like nine thirty. It's like all right, I can like Stroll relax. I can like yeah, breakfast. I can do something in the morning. I can actually like get my wits about myself. I can have a routine where just the early morning should just murder me, man. And like the sleep was situation was so bad. But when I got to be a student, I got to sleep in again, started going to class, actually going to class, did really well academically, turned my academic career around, end up graduating with really good GPAs the last three semesters or so. And something that I'm definitely really proud of myself because it's like probably one of the bigger things I've accomplished like off the field and I mean I did like 44 credit hours in three semesters in a year or two Mm -hmm. so like you're talking you know basically three full semesters packing them all into one year almost almost all core classes like and I'm figuring it out financially because they're paying for a lot of it the White Sox are but I'm you know you're coordinating all that I'm figuring all this shit out on my own I'm getting classes in Arizona and having them transfer over like I put in like just even not academic related shit it felt like there was so much that went into it to get that thing done and i did and i was so proud because i had probably like a two three gpa coming out and had a like a one six the fall before like really bad like where i was like was it just crashing and burning oh because i would just sleep all day like i i was just living such a bad lifestyle where it was just like 
I don't know, like I partied a lot, which was bad. But at the same time, I look back on it now, and a lot of that was just to get away from the baseball because it's like you got to find something else to like take your mind off of it. And like for me, you know, accounting 201 wasn't the most fun thing to take my yeah. mind off it. So I would find other shit to do. Um, but I think definitely if baseball had gone a little differently early at Illinois, it would have set me on a different path like had i been healthy and performed the way i was supposed to now a lot of that falls on my lap but and i have to live with but i think that there would be a different story to be written if that would or that would have been written had some things gone different early differently early but then i kind of spiraled down with just injury after injury and just living a terrible lifestyle compacting all that not going to class and like you just kind of how you do one thing is how you do everything and uh, at that time, a lot of the stuff I was doing was just not with, you know, my best interest in mind. So what was your, like, wake-up call then? Was it just being a normal student and um, getting wake sleep? My wake-up call was December of 2019. So specific. December 16th. That's, That's Morgan Holy Cross's birthday. That's when I left. That's when I left Champaign. So two things, well, a few things, but so I knew... 2020 was like hey kind of take a shit or get off the pot because you know you hadn't played in 19 and you had surgery in 18 so like they're looking at it like hey it's your third year with us and you know you have zero innings pitched so like we gotta you either gotta play or get out so somebody else can get here and play so um i knew i felt like a lot of urgency just from that standpoint because you know as a player like you know the you know the writing on the wall like I knew I was going to have to really, really open some eyes, like, like not just be like good or okay. Cause like I couldn't just blend in or else I was going to, you know, get released. So I was like, all right, I got to be in kick-ass shape. I got to be ready to go. And I spent the whole fall. I had worked out pretty good. Like lifting wise, I'd worked out good. So like physically I knew I was like on the right track. Like I was on the right track from the standpoint of like, it's not like I just didn't do anything. Like I could go out and do a hard workout and feel bounce back the next day yeah and bounce back the next day so i knew i was ready physically to like kind of go through a boot camp and then i ended up going to the florida baseball armory in plant city which like i had all planned out basically the year before in 19 when i felt like i should be throwing and the club wasn't really clearing me to throw and letting me throw i went out to see this guy in plant city randy sullivan at the florida baseball armory we had spent two or three days together this was all on my own dime in secret i flew out paid for the days in hotel uber to the airport the whole nine like literally here in tampa where we live now like i was here in 2019 on my own nobody even knew about i think dad was like the only one who knew like not even my roommates nothing because i knew i was like man like i need to kick this thing in the ass and i'm throwing like i feel it doesn't feel good and like i think doing less is hurting me and i need to start doing more if this is things gonna work out so i go to see randy and he gives me so much like just a boatload of information just on everything that just made a lot of sense to me and so it was easy to buy in so i had that going for me too so i knew i was physically ready and i knew i had a good plan waiting for me and then so i get out of a toxic relationship with my ex in december of that year december same time period or november like end of the semester there and then i'm driving down to florida on december 16th and i'm going i'm never like I no need to like can flush this whole thing down the drain. Champagne is in the rear view. Start. It's just in the rear view mirror. Like I have a fresh start, new apartment. 
uh justin o'connor one of my good buddies is i remember i came down um, to tampa when yep who's who ended up training with me we get a place down here and we start training and i'll be honest the first three weeks were hard because i was showing up every day so positive and wasn't didn't feel like i was seeing any results like i was like damn am i really like is this really going the right way that was actually one of my questions was like was there any point where you were like i don't know if i can do this or was it like i know i can do this i'm just in a rut um i always felt like i was just in a big rut because i just have never imagined my life without baseball so like for me it was just like eh, i was always like i'll figure it out and like at illinois it was the same thing like when i was struggling it was like fuck it whatever that that's kind of why my habits were prolonged so poor like poor habits were prolonged so much is because i was just like yeah i can afford it kind of thing like yeah like i i got time like my talent's still way ahead of the curve like i can still pretty much like yeah there were some rough times where i was throwing the ball all over the effing place and you know where i looked brutal but for the most part like on my best day i felt like there was nothing i couldn't do on a baseball field like especially on the mound and so i felt like i just had a lot of time at illinois and i feel like that's where i just really lost my way as far as you know making decisions for the best interest of me and what i want most versus what i wanted now like at the time what i wanted now was to be cool and that fun and to enjoy my college experience which i did i had a lot of fun and i did make a lot of memories and i have some great friends from there and like sure there it wasn't all i don't want to play this out like it was all you know just one big shit mess no fun and i regret ever going there like no like there was some definitely some positive aspects i'm very proud to have my degree from there to to have the relationships that i still do from there but there was some rough patches and some bad moments and some like really dark times and yeah it's it's it was my chance to kind of leave it in the in the rear view for sure and how big was ending the relationship in that transformation big because i knew it wasn't a forever thing and it's just like now it was kind of my kind of the point where it's like it's the end like i'm going to another state it's just not there anymore yeah i was um listening to another podcast and when you stress about things it releases like cortisol in your body which breaks down collagen and makes you like age faster yeah and so that was kind of my wake-up call where it's like i'm really running around like stressing out about nothing and it's like not worth it yeah no definitely not worth it and it just was like a very liberating feeling and when i got down to florida and just started meeting new people like not even saying dating girls or like doing anything crazy like but just meeting new people and like being single and like not having that like hanging over your head everywhere you go where not you hanging over your head but where, where you feel like you have to announce something or like reserve or, yourself yeah. a lot more because you know you have a significant other that's far away and like out of respect for them like you just aren't as friendly with people like just by nature and that's like i understand that and there's it's definitely for the right person worth making that sacrifice for but for me it was just so liberating because i was finally meeting new people that i felt were you know were very like refreshing and it and it took me away from a lot of those bad habits and whatnot that i'd had in 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 champagne so you're in tampa you're training at the florida baseball armory yes when COVID, you so you, then you go out to Arizona. You drive out to Arizona. So yes, yeah, so I train my ass off and I lose like thirty eight pounds. What were you and like what was where'd you start at? The weight wise. Yeah. Two fifty eight. Okay. So you're down to like two twenty. So 20. it's two fifty eight and I think it was two fifty. Maybe it was like two sixty two. It was like two six. Call it two sixty. It was up there, 
and I make a bet with Justin that it's like, I'm Justin, I'm going to lose over 30 pounds in 30 days. And he, we made a $200 bet. And he was like, there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. So I get down. I think the number, I think it was 220. I think it was 257 maybe. And I, or 258. And I got down to 227. I'd lost 31 pounds in 31 days. And I ended up taking it all the way down to like 219. And like literally looked like a UFC fighter, like full six pack like shred. Like way in day. No yeah, like way in day, like no water, 219, like shredded. And it was honestly because, so I started losing the weight earlier. It definitely took a while for that metabolism to kind of kick up those first three weeks. But like the something about like the fourth or fifth week there, I things started clicking where I made a big mechanical adjustment, just fixed a lot of things, like made my, like we call it like cleaner, like in baseball, like made my mechanics just a lot cleaner, where it was just a lot more direct to home plate. I wasn't as like sweeping around as much going side to side. It was more direct. And then like with my lower body. And then, so my top half was able to just throw the ball a lot easier. Like it was like, almost think of it as like having your guardrails down low. My guardrails were now in the right direction, like keeping me towards the target. So it was just really easy for my upper half just to rotate and throw the shit out of it. So I started feeling that in the fourth or fifth week. And with that with the metabolism kicking up and then we would just literally train all morning and then we would golf every afternoon and i was like just moving constantly. yeah moving constantly where it's like it, i was just an incinerator and i ended up losing all that weight winning the bet and then ended up losing like six or seven more pounds like for 38 pounds and like it was like like 55 days or something like it was a a lot so i ended up weighing in at spring training like chiseled 222 like and everyone's like, like everybody's like, I take my shit. shirt off and everybody's like, wait, this is shill from last year. Like who was in the training room the whole year? Like this, like I was probably 265 at the tops. So like this guy's two was 265 last year and like 45 pounds, like big time transformation. So I think when I took my shirt off and the physical, like people knew it was different. And then we throw a bullpen and I throw really well. I felt like it was good. I think I was mid nineties from what I remember. And like, so like I thought I impressed people, but obviously it's the first bullpen. So you're not going to like, you know, it's early and then COVID happens. So then we get sent home. You get sent home. And how many hours is that from Arizona to Detroit? 30, 30, 28, something like that. And the ride home, you're thinking, what, how, what am I going to do? Well, the ride home, I'm thinking, uh, like, visiting friends on the way home, like, not 10 out, like, oh, we'll be back in two or three weeks, like, the clubhouse manager, we were talking, like, oh, maybe six weeks at the most, so we go home, and I'm just thinking, well, shit, now I'm gonna drive all this back just to turn around and go all the way back, and then by the third day, like, COVID really started kicking up, and I was like, wow, this shit's serious, like, I got a hotel in Chicago for the last night, and I mean this shit was like ghost town like i was even kind of surprised that like i was able to stay there and so i end up staying there and driving home the next morning and by the time i get home it was like pretty bad as far as the covid shit and like i knew it was like lockdown lockdown like that's like when people were going out and buying supplies and stuff like going crazy yeah rice and toilet paper paper towels all that crazy stuff all the canned stuff was gone and then you decide to build a pitching mound in in our backyard yeah i did because we used to actually have one when we were younger that was kind of like a meh like just kind of makeshift throw together job where me and judd could throw and then i was like well we should just recreate that and you know then just like train train here like if you're going to be here for four or five months like 
I mean, it's worth the investment. So, yeah, I built it, and it was a lot more expensive and a lot more time-consuming than I could have ever imagined. Did you know, like, how to build a pitching mound, or was it a lot of YouTube, like... Some YouTube and stuff, but you just hear from... You really find, too, that landscaping and stuff is a lot more of an art than a science. Like, these people are, like... There's, like, a million different ways to build a mound. Like, this guy likes to do it this way, this guy likes to do it this way, but there are some, like, principles to it. Like, you have to use this type of clay in these spots, and, like you know the rubber and what how that goes inserted and you know where it gets measured from and all that stuff gets like it's pretty down to a t but there's a lot of room for negotiation there so you can have like a lot of filler and whatnot so there's some there's some art to it there was some research but a lot of it is just feel on like what do you think would be good and then how did you kind of turn it into sort of something where everyone wanted to participate in because it felt like every day there was different people there just by like reaching out to people and just because of the availability nobody could really get on a dirt mound and like it was so bad in michigan at that point that if you were at like a high school or public park like they were coming and telling you that you needed to leave so like it was really like a private place where people could actually come and get get like some mound work in which was like rare at the time it was also like a social thing too but i mean it also served its purpose like practically very well and then when did you go back? Well, I guess, did you see the improvement that you wanted to see by being able to throw it home? Like, was no, it? No, but I stayed in shape, which was huge. And I stayed in, like, game shape, which I really needed to just because, like, think about it. Like, I'd missed 19. I'd missed pretty much 18. So 2020, like, I needed to throw, like, this amount of a season to, like, keep myself in just even afloat like in the race i think if i didn't do that and i just took the kind of kept took it easy like three years of just nothing even like let alone competitive but like actual game training like if you have none of that in three years like you're kind of you know toast so i knew i needed to kind of push the pedal in that aspect so it helped me maintain that you know that pace on my training and and to still get that game like I guess workload if you want to call it even though it'll never be the same because it's practice but it's the closest thing where if I didn't do anything I would have totally been screwed I think when did you find out that the White Sox were going to release you or they did release you uh so I then do that for a while with the backyard thing probably through the summer and then as we got to the end of the summer like August ish and this whole time you're working nights at FedEx I was working nights at FedEx so I end up working at FedEx for a couple months and it it was definitely like a good sobering experience but I can imagine that sounds like the most yeah. depressing shit of all time oh yeah like you can't have your phone no earbuds uh, you're on the line for eight straight hours and you um, picking up 75 to 150 pound boxes and just putting them on a conveyor belt by number it was like the most mindless like back-breaking work but it paid well and that's a big reason why i did it and i don't know i uh i think i needed it and that's why i think like a, a whole thing like everybody you just kind of make the best with the cards you have like i just always think about that now like at that time i'm released i'm on my ass i'm just worked my ass off to throw the ball really really well to have the whole season canceled and i get you know released well, when I was working at FedEx, I wasn't released at that point, actually. I was still, uh, I don't, I think I got released around the same time. 
I don't remember the whole timing on it all exactly, but. Um, and then after, so this was end of the summer then. This is end of the towards the end of the summer, and then I start like moving, like it's like considering moving down to Florida. Right. Jed gets the job down here. And then it was like a no-brainer because it's like, all right, if you're in the Tampa area, and I know I have Randy Sullivan down there, um, I'm going to go down here and try to chase this thing. And you lived in that apartment that you had with Justin? No. Well, at first we couch surfed on one of my buddy's places to, like, we could get our, you know, like, actually down here and work the first. Established. Like, established. Yeah, like, it's hard to find all that shit on the fly. Make an Ikea run or something. Right. So then we go, we find... uh, we find the same place. It was actually the exact same unit that me and Justin had had is where me and Jed lived for probably about seven, eight months, six months, seven months maybe. Yeah, so basically through almost through the winter. And when did mom and dad buy this house? When did you move in here, I guess? I don't even remember. Was it the following summer? No. Maybe we only stayed, I think it might have been like, that winter, like November, December, might have been yeah, like November. You guys definitely were here because of no, because I, I came home for Christmas. I had worked in at FedEx in April, Mayish, and then I end up coming, and then I end up that whole time I'm thrown in the backyard, backyard, and then I end up coming down here in Ju- late July, I think it was. I think it was July, like after July Fourth. How big has moving down here been in like your whole? Oh, huge! I mean, it, one the first time I came down here was just such like a self improvement you know experience where i lost all that weight i got confidence in my abilities again i you know had just like changed a lot of just my attitude on life and like what was possible because i felt at one point that i was really far away and i was starting to get closer and closer to where i wanted to be and so definitely big coming back here because just the vibe i get from tampa i think one the weather seeing the sun every day is a really big health benefit for me just mentally and physically um, the baseball training is second to none. Um, I don't know, just everything. Everything about Tampa, just the, the culture here is really good, and I just really love the city and the area. And it's something that I'm, you know, really, like, behind as far as, like, where I want to spend a lot of my life at because of what it's done for me, for sure, at least at this point. And then what's kind of the next block of time looking like for you in terms of, like, baseball life, like what's this next year so this next year right now i'm in the middle of rehabbing from tommy john surgery which i had in july 21 so like july 27th so i'm gonna be january 27th will be six months um i'm throwing the ball pretty good with pretty good pace on it right now like basically like to the level of what which i would in a season like playing catch and stuff like training um, I still haven't gone, like, full game tilt off a mound well, uh, we, intensity. but When you um, found out you were going to get Tommy John, that was w- that was an outing in um, spring training. No. Or I had already gone through spring training. Oh, had this a re- after. Really good spring training. This was even after the All-Star break. I had done really well through the All-Star break. And I think it was in July in Greenville – south carolina we were on the road and i just ended up tearing it in a game there but i had known something was wrong with it for a while it didn't feel good in spring training but i still performed really well didn't feel great the first half of the season i still performed really well then i started the last few outings i would get this like fluid build up in my elbow and the next morning and would they they, like drain it 
no it would kind of drain on its own like it would kind of dissipate but like i would wake up in the morning like it would be like puffy which was kind of like a weird but it and like really stiff like really really stiff like to the like crunchy like painful stiff to the point of where like i didn't even want to use it to like you know it was like more about all right how do i get this thing ready to play it seven o'clock tonight because right now there's no way i could play if we had a game like this is in the mornings and then i'm having to pitch that night so i would the last three outings was like a battle to like get it to to the game time but you you know when you're in that spot and you're playing professionally that it's you know kind of put up or shut up everybody's got you know injuries and stuff lingering and you, you un, until that thing goes you have to you know show up and be there and be ready to play every night you know barring some like serious where you think something's seriously wrong like i mean i'm still throwing the ball mid upper 90s so it's like it can't be that awful you know that awful bad but what was the best like miles per hour milestone for you was it like hitting 90 or was it just like 100 hitting 100 101 i hit 101 in a live outing i think it's on video somewhere with uh it was like a private workout before we went to spring training this year, like kind of COVID coming out of COVID type thing where guys were getting at bats and it was like a lot of Yankees players and some other pro guys and some of my other friends were there and I had 101 and was basically setting 99 the whole time. But yeah, that that's like a milestone that like, I don't know, it feels good. It's like just, it's kind of like, I don't know, driving the ball 300 Dreamland, yards, yeah. like dunking a basketball, like throwing a baseball 100 miles an hour. It's just like, I mean, maybe even more so throwing a baseball 100 miles an hour because a lot of people can dunk, but, like, there's only a few on planet Earth that can huck a ball like that. So, uh, definitely, like, it feels good, but it comes and goes. Like, it's just like, oh, woo. And then, you know, then it's 20 minutes since you've done it. Then it's two hours since you've done it. Then it's been a week, and then now you're, you know, it's normal life. Like, it just just is what it is. It's just something. It's what I do. You know, and, not who I am. And you were talking about, what is it, January 27th is like your six months. six months. Yeah, so I'm hoping by February, end of February when I'm in Arizona, early March that I'll start going off a mound. And then, you know, from there it's pretty much game on as far as how ready can we get by, you know, June, July. What's your favorite book you've ever read? Ooh, there's a few really good ones. Um it takes what it takes is probably the best one I've read recently. It's by Trevor Moad, who actually just passed away. Um, really good motivational speaker. The Ford's done by Russell Wilson, and it just really talks about like, um, and it's more like big picture stuff, like how you mapping out your life and stuff. But it's just how to like stay neutral from situation to situation and not to have like everybody tries to preach this, you know, positive like oh you got to be positive you got to well. The thing is, is like sometimes the circumstances don't call for that. So it's like this inauthentic battle with yourself of like, oh, I'm going to stay positive, but everything around me is going to shit. Like it's that neutral ability to like teaches you that neutral ability, like just stay where you are. And it's like, all right, take everything for what it is at face value and then make then we start making the best move to go in the right direction from there and kind of wrap your mind around it is is it seems simple. But when when you read the book, it's like, wow, you're like a lot of this stuff is. I complicate in my own head that's just not that complicated Mm -hmm. who is your role model or inspiration and it could be in like different chapters of your life like if there was someone when you were a kid versus college versus now I don't really have a role model or inspiration I can honestly say that I have or mentors no I can't point to one like I mean obviously I was blessed with really good parents that showed me just like a lot about 
you know, how to live life the right way. And I've, you know, listened to them a lot and had some good success. And I've also not listened to them a lot and fallen on my ass before. And so, I mean, definitely from like a mentor standpoint, our, our parents are probably the, yeah. the number one in that just on like what I, what I lean on for like advice and what I should do. Um, like, but I don't really have like a mentor or a role model or I think everybody's got their flaws. I think everybody's got their, you, you know, unique qualities to them. I think like just the fact that we were all born, like our, that the sperm won a genetic race to the egg out of millions of other things that if one of the other ones won out of the millions that you would be somebody completely different. Like, I just think everybody has their own because we're so unique we have our own race to run and i just don't look at somebody else and say like oh i want to be there or that's how i should be like i think i have to carve my own path up and i'll look for the best like information sure from others like i look at guys like justin verlander like how has he done it for so long or like whatever you know like sure i have people that i are in are impressed are impressed with and want to be there and would would love to have a conversation with them about how how they've done things but there's not one person i look at and say man that's that's they inspire me to be everything that i am like has anyone ever told you that you're lucky and how does that how do you feel about that yes people tell me have told me that i'm lucky a lot and it it pisses used to piss me off but now i've gotten to the point where i just don't take anything personally like i just brush it off because it's like you don't understand it, yeah, just ignorance. It's just ignorance because it's like you don't understand what it takes. And anybody in my position, no matter where they've come from, what position they play, anything, they whether they're from a third world country or from a family of millionaires, like the you can't buy this. Like you can't, you can't luck into this. You can't, you know, wish it to happen. Like the guys who continue to play at the next level and then at the next level, and they keep and they keep playing when the, when when the talent gets filtered down. those guys have simply earned it and there's no shortcut there's no just because you were born this way or that way or the other that guy has figured out in his life how to either get batters out or to get hits like better than the people around him there's no you can't buy it you can't wish it to happen like it's you have to make it happen and that's why i get so frustrated when people say that people are lucky because like you create your own luck like no matter what hand you have your job is to play that hand to the best of your ability for what the game is and you know so for me at times that was without without a job working at a restaurant making 850 an hour and you know 12 months earlier I was on you know in a minor league organization and now I'm not and I make the best of those hands and I keep training and I do what I can with and then getting signed you know and having a great year and you know all of the good things that have happened to me over the past year are you know be out of luck that i've made like it's it it's a, it goes both ways and it's just you have to be able to create your own luck even when the situation's bad and create your own luck when the situation's good but it's never just lucky like it never happens by chance what's your relationship with god or religion or both i'm very religious i'm i and i've gotten definitely a lot closer um since i've been with my girlfriend now kayla especially but even before that I definitely started getting closer to God when I turned pro after I left college because I had a little bit of an ability to leave college in the rearview mirror where I'd made so many negative decisions and I'd, you know, probably not lived the most upright life 
that when I left school and I kind of was able to hit that reset button to get a refreshing view and to start emulating or start becoming the person I wanted to be. And part of that was having a strong faith, like, cause in high school I did, like, I truly did believe in like, I, I practiced, you know, growing up Catholic, like we practiced a lot more and just also, I mean, our mom used to make us go to church at sure. 7 a.m. But even <laughs> like even at that point, like, I even remember as a kid, like, really taking it seriously and understanding what was going on and understanding that there is a, you know, divine being out there that looks out over us. And there's that's the only way certain things can happen. Like, there, it's just inexplicable what we've been able to do as a human race. And it's just like to say that that's not, you know, out of something greater than us, to me, I think is just it's wrong but hey i'm not i'm not here to tell people what they should or shouldn't believe but i'm definitely religious i definitely believe in god and i definitely think that god has a plan for each and god has a maximum plan of potential for each one of us if we are willing to pursue it pursue it and there's a cost to pursuing it for sure but if we're willing to pursue it i think god leaves us with limitless a maximum potential type i always struggled with right. like like the god and science argument and the big bang and like okay how do you explain everything and then one thing i heard that kind of actually changed the perspective for me was that like i guess there's this particle that behaves differently when it's observed and that they say that that particle was instrumental in the big bang so something had to be watching it sure well and beyond that even i think we don't always necessarily need to know why we have a saying at the armory where what we don't know in science and just in general but what we don't know is so much bigger than what we actually do know like what we don't know out there about species about cells about cancer about this that the other what we don't know is so massive and huge that like picking nitpicking at one and two little it's like we don't know a lot of things yeah that's a good point we don't know a lot of things like to a to like a great understanding like we do know a lot comparatively speaking like to the past sure science has made great strides but think about like at an exponential rate that which that stuff is moving at like what is what how different are we going to be in 200 years 500 years and um if one thing i've noticed at least about like knowing more or less like the the smartest people don't think they're smart because they realize there's so much left to learn sure Versus, like, the people that think they're, like, the shit and they're really smart yeah. only know a finite well, amount of things. And I and I used to remember, it's even just a mentality of thinking that there is a finite to know. Like, in any in any field, like, I remember at Illinois, a lot of the times I would be playing poorly and I would think it would just be one thing, right? And I just got to fix this one thing and, oh, I got to figure it out. And you realize that in your best years that you never have it figured out. Like, even when I'm throwing my best and I'm having the best performance and everything seems to be going right it's like i still feel like there's more to get so it's like that learner's mindset like like you're saying that the smartest people in the world and the most successful people in the world have this constant hunger of like the only the only thing that's guaranteed is change so it's like you have to figure out a way to keep changing for the better what's the best advice you've ever given and received the best advice i've ever given and received Or given or received. Two of the best advices I've ever received, pieces of advice I've ever received. One is first you work and then you get paid, and that's from our dad. Because, like, it's just a a fact of the matter. Like, your your behavior precedes your success. Like, you work and then you get paid. No, but it never happens in the reverse order. 
and the second one I like is from Randy Sullivan at the at the Armory, and he told me, and it's hanging up on the wall now. But one of the things he's like always says is, "God doesn't make junk, and human tissue doesn't have free will. It cannot choose to participate, like whether it wants to participate." And he goes, "That includes your brain." So it's like human tissue doesn't have free will. You know it cannot choose not to participate meaning like if you want to improve your like no matter how depressed you like even from a mental health standpoint like how depressed you are how like you you can change like your mind does not have free will like you have control over it so like just this it's like yeah it might it might be marginal marginal gains very small minuscule gains but hey if you stretch it it's got to get longer and you if you strengthen it it has to get stronger and that is just so true about just the body, the mind, the spirit, everything. It's like, you know, it's 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 malleable. You can change it. You really can change it. And you've developed like a pretty good relationship with Randy and the baseball armory. What how how has your role evolved since becoming just someone who trains there? So I've I am somebody who definitely just trains there, but they've kind of brought me in and allowed me to do some some instructing and some coaching and just be around the facility a lot more with um and i'm super grateful for it because you know what they've done for me is pretty like pretty special when you think about it like they did not have to and they've given given me some real breaks when i needed them and when i when i didn't you know think i was maybe going to get signed or you know things weren't working out the way i wanted them to like they were always those people that treated me the same like regardless of what status I was where I was like you know in, in terms of my career where I was at the time like they just always treated me the same and always just recognized that I was willing to work and I just like we just have that m- such a mutual appreciation and respect and love for each other because of that like the same way Randy works his at his business and at his craft and everything that he does is the same energy and effort and passion that I'm putting into mine and when you finally find somebody that has that matches you on that level it's different and I can honestly say I didn't feel that at Illinois and that's kind of rubbed me the wrong way was I don't know like I I don't know I just I just felt like for for the first time in my career I found somebody that's matching my my passion and what I'm putting into it what because you have to travel a lot for i mean everything it's a lot of road i mean 30 hours detroit to arizona you were in winston-salem north carolina what's your like what are your necessities what are you bringing with you maybe it's like training regimen or like definitely some training stuff gotta have like the whole training kit like the resistance band some hurdles maybe like a little mini medicine ball like some definitely a little training kit because like i mean i've even when you when when you've put into like as much as i have you just don't get embarrassed anymore like i will work out at a rest area parking lot like i don't care if every car on the damn highway is looking at me as they drive like what is that guy doing like i just don't care that's honestly like i was gonna say that was one of the best pieces of advice i got was from dad and i was talking to him about stuff and he was like anyone that's anyone that is going to be embarrassed of you or for you isn't willing to do it themselves yeah in any category even in baseball is like the number one because you hear it all the time about you throw a ball away and you got the fan heckling but 
I know if I put that fan at shortstop and rolled him a ground ball, his nuts would go into his chest if he, when he looked across at first base and saw how far that throw is. And when you've got thousands of screaming fans or whatever going on and music and all this other stuff and you throw one away and then some guy's heckling you, telling you, and, you know, you should feel embarrassed about it. Like, heck no, man. Like, that guy doesn't even have the, you know, the stones to step in the arena with you. And he, he's not even good enough. Even if he wanted to, he's not even good enough. So giving giving people like the time of day like that, exactly. Like if I'm working on a parking lot and they're all staring when they're driving by, like that's great because guess what? They're probably working a desk job and I'm the one who had the stones to actually chase this dream and like, you know, be, try to try to make it to the major leagues. Like they can at least, hey, at least I can hang my hat on like I did everything I could because they're the ones who are working a desk job. Their dream and whatever they want to do probably got ended a lot earlier. And so, but for essentials, you said like medicine ball hurdles, oh, bands. Yeah, what about the workout? I don't take the shoulder tube with me because it's just too hard to carry around. Yeah. Uh, I take a lot of shoes because I like to change my shoes a lot. Like that's like a bright thing in my day, and like in to pick what, what. Like training wise, or just like in uh, general? In general, but like fashion wise too. So what's your what's your like airport fit situation? Oh, I'm definitely like comfortable in the airport like some joggers some nice sneakers maybe like a little little hoodie vibe or like short sleeve t-shirt like nice nice but casual comfort um what are some like statement pieces you got that you i mean you got some like you have like a duffel bag that's pretty nice i have some different stuff but i don't know like i don't really like to i'm more of like a low-key statement guy like one where you have to like be really close to like i'm not a guy who's gonna wear like Gucci. quiet luxury yeah quiet luxury like i'm not a guy who's gonna wear like big gucci this or that and like show off like i'm more of a guy who has like it, it low-key wrapped up and then if you get close enough you might you might be able to see it music or a podcast, podcast. or movie podcast 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 because i can work out while i do it or i can like i do a lot of like meditative walking so like during the season especially so like if i can't wind down uh, like after a game, I'll just throw a podcast on and go for like a 30 minute walk around the apartment complex. Or when I wake up in the morning, a lot of my time in my routine, I'll, I'll take my hydration supplement and then I'll go for like a 30 minute walk to like loosen up my body and get some sun. Like, so meditative walking has been a big part and like podcasts are always great when I'm doing that. So definitely podcasts. What, what genre of podcasts are you usually? Um, usually sports talk, but like I'll do a lot of like sp- sports talk one. And then a close to is like, I'll do like motivational or like interviews of like you know, successful people to figure out just kind of like a mental game. But like, I like a lot of just current sports talk because it kind of keeps it light and fun. And I don't know, just I like the Pat McAfee show a lot. Listen to him for a while. I don't know. Part of my take is good. Like some of those, some of those comedy, like entertaining. Cause I just think like what you fill your brain with is, is kind of like what you're going to see in the world. So if you're seeing funny positivity all the time, then you know, that's you what you're going to project. Yeah. Then you're going to project that. What's your go-to, like, nutrition on the road or food on the road? Is it just McDonald's in the airport doesn't count? Mm-hmm. Uh, West Coast, I'll get a little kinky with it and go in and out I've an- never been animal, to in and out Animal style. Like, the fries? No, or no, that's the onions. The, or what do animal they do? style, you get the sauce on it, okay. but you can do protein style, too, where they do, like, the a lettuce. burger with the lettuce wrap, and then I'll do the animal style with the, with the, with the lettuce. So I don't that's the, messy. So I don't get the carbs, you know? Tom Segura has a joke where he's like, the most embarrassing thing about In-N-Out is if you go through the drive-thru, they ask, are you eating in your car today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like the most That's humiliating funny. like That's moment. If you're by yourself. Yeah, too. you're yeah. like, yeah, I'm eating in my car. And That's so funny. But 
Uh, yeah, so that's like West Coast. If I had to pick like a nu- nutrition on the run, like big me- mega max meal, I'd get a lift in and I'd go to in and out and do some protein animal styles type put, stuff. Put some stuff away. Um, here, if I'm on the road. Like a quick stop. Like quick stop. Like gas station stop. Gas station or like drive through. Gas station stop. I'm going. I go like a little trifecta. I try to do like some sort of protein shake some sort of like meat like a beef stick or something like a night like a lean one leanest one i can find and then i usually go with some sort of like flavored almonds or cashews or something what's your favorite flavored like the habanero bbq from the blue diamond blue diamond i love a blue diamond smokehouse almond i will say i like the habanero bbq um so is that your that's your go-to gas station snack or just when you're trying to like be conscious that's like my like meal replacement on the road we're on a road trip i'm stuck at a gas station and i haven't eaten something i haven't eaten in six or seven hours and i need something to fill my stomach but like if you're just goofing what's your go-to gas station snack good question probably like honestly are you a salty highly underrated is a take five okay so take, you're sweet I'll go like i'll go like a little take five no i i do like a little combo like i'll go like a cheese it's in yeah a, like a take five and then like some fritos honey bbq twist or something like that you yeah know? those are solid yeah i like a that's if i'm feeling naughty i like though. a toasted cheese it and i'm i'm a sour candy person that's if so i'm feeling have to be naughty like jo- jolly but you realize um, like the the further you get into your the further you get into your pro career you realize that it's like the more the, the amount of times you have that type of stuff is like becomes less and less like it just can't be a part of your life like same thing with alcohol like you figure that it just like has to become part less and less part of your life if you want to get to where you want to go and like sure there's a time and a place to have some ice cream or to have a couple drinks or to at certain times of the year you can get a little bit more you know turn on a weekend but for the most part you have to eliminate a lot of a lot of stuff and honestly going back to that book recommendation i made it takes what it takes that's one one of the first things it talks about is like the path to greatness starts with elimination like everybody wants to worry about oh am i doing this training technique or am i you know doing stim and cupping and chiropractor and massage like all the external all these external crazy shit but then how about eliminating like eliminating bad diet choices eliminating alcohol when you don't when you really really don't need it eliminating you know staying out late watch watching netflix for no reason till three in the morning like eliminate things like and that's kind of the same thing with food so it's hard for me to say like i just don't really eat a lot of fast food or splurge like that do you ever get weird like shower thoughts or realizations no no i'm I'm a quick shot mindless shower i shower in four minutes do you ever cold shower yes like frequently no yeah here and there like good amount of time more than the average person like more more than usual what are the benefits to that Uh, so it's like your i can't remember what the reflex is called it's like a reflex that it helps you deal with like anxiety and i feel like it helps cold water i I think i actually did see that it's like a nerve or something it's a nerve it's a nerve that like your flight it's like your fight or flight response and like when you get in the water obviously cold water and you have the option option to get out your body is telling you hey just step out of that water and the more you force yourself to stay in the cold water it's like ah oh, what are you doing to me like ah oh, what are you doing to me like and you're like shutting and you go it into down. like a panic attack right like a pseudo a small little like fragment of one that your body's going through subconsciously but obviously you know you're fine because you're in a controlled environment and i think that's kind of like the 
the method to the madness behind it is that you're triggering that response of like this anxiety response but at the same time you're controlling it through your breath and then you realize that hey i am okay and kind of training your mind to like to to fight that response instead of flight and you know avoid it how do you feel about mindfulness and is it something that you practice yes i think that's just like a big general word that like but yes i do practice mindfulness like i i am very aware of kind of what's going on and being present and you know taking taking the small steps that are right in front of you on a daily day on a day-to-day basis is where how you're going to end up getting to your end goal and and yeah no mindfulness is huge and just being honestly appreciative of what you do have and how far you really have come is also a huge part of mindfulness for me and kind of finding that balance on both sides of we aren't looking ahead we aren't looking behind but we're right here in the present and we're thankful for what we have but there's still more to get you go on you said you go on like meditative walks do you meditate do you ever use like guided meditation apps do you just ever sit and just quiet so i got them from an author named john gordon who who writes some some good books like the energy bus and some other popular ones but he calls them gratitude walks but you just they're, they turn into meditative walks because you start ta- walking and just thinking about all the things in your life that you're grateful for that you woke up with and then eventually your mind just kind of wanders and starts thinking about like kind of cleansing itself of all the things you have to you know you know think through or talk about like very like you know thought provoking kind of drift and I think it helps cleanse my mind a lot like when I have like a lot of thoughts racing and whatnot I'm able to just go out start walking think about what I'm thankful for and what I really do have and then eventually that turns into solutions for maybe things that aren't going my way or maybe it's just a continuation of I'm just continuing to say all the things I'm grateful for and how I'm happy to be alive and that I I can't wait to take on what this day has for me is it something you do more so when you're not feeling great to feel better is it just consistent consistent for sure consistent because i think that's the thing is developing those unwavering habits that 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 allows your your waves to be controlled where you don't have these huge highs and lows if you have something to go back to that it's like hey this is what one morning i woke up and i did it and everything was going great and one morning i woke up and everything was going terrible so i have you know like but at both it's it's ever changing the only guarantee is change so it's like i'm gonna be okay i mean i can still go out walk think about the things i'm thankful for no matter what's going on and i, I just think it's a, it's a constant thing that should stay in there for me or will definitely stay in there for me on a regular basis because it's just been so huge what kind of music do you listen to a little bit of everything i'm definitely more of an edm guy like the like if i had to pick one for the like rest to of my, work out rest with? of my life i have to pick one and it's dry the only type places i really listen to music mostly are driving and working out and so that's what i would would drive and work out to but like i do listen to everything i listen to country i listen to hip-hop r&b i listen to you know punk rock like i like machine gun kelly's the stuff he's come out with in the last year or two like i like you know everything from you know little baby to you know all that (laughs) all your faves yeah uh what's your what do you think is your best walkout song or walk electricity by dua lipa that was my walkout this year i think that was just the most fire walkout because it just i think a great walkout is a combination of getting you ready to go to do your job and getting the crowd engaged engaged and on there and and intent because you get only get a walk up you only get a walk up when you're home so you want to pick something that's going to 
brighten the mood. I personally pick something that's going to brighten the mood, get people engaged, get myself engaged. And it, like, honestly, like enjoy the moment. I'm not going to pick something that's going to make me pissed off or angry or no, because I'm out here having fun. Like I earned this right to be out here. Like this is not, they don't just hand innings to anybody in professional baseball. So like, I'm, I'm going to like, I've already put in all the hard work, so I'm going to relish this moment so much. And I'm going to play a funny kick-ass song. That's going to get everybody going. And I'm going to live it up because this is where I get to enjoy the fruits of the labor. Yeah. When will you be able to, if ever, say that you made it? Like, what is that like? So it's so weird to say that because it'll be never for me because my sure. my life doesn't stop with baseball. And I've thought about that for a long time, that my life doesn't stop with baseball. Like, there's no making it for me. Like, I have aspirations in baseball, sure. There's things I want to accomplish in my career, sure. Is there a picture-perfect career? I, I don't think so. There's no make it for me. No, make Making it. it is go, getting up to the big leagues and squeezing every drop of juice out of my body and my mind and my heart that I can to the game. And, you know, with that should come a pretty good life for my family. And that's everything that I want is to continue to chase my passion and have that provide for my family. And I will squeeze every bit of the juice out of that orange as I possibly can. And that's the dream career for me. I, there's just no way I could put a, a ceiling on it. And I think that's what you do when you say, like, oh, like, when you quote-unquote make it. And Randy talks about that, too. It's a funny story about one of his childhood friends who makes it. And he literally calls him and says, like, oh, I feel like I I feel like I can finally, like, sleep like I made it. And then the guy was, like, a journeyman for so many years. And still, that's very successful to play in the big leagues. And I'm not knocking a guy who played in the big leagues because that's – I mean, I'm still not there yet. But I think it's almost like how your mind frame is around it that if you put a ceiling on it then ex- expect to be below that ceiling you know so you're you're in a relationship yes and you're going out to spring training so how is that going to work um so we've been solid like for like a serious relationship we've been, yeah we've been solid for a long enough time that she'll come out with me for most of the time but she'll probably fly back and forth between Phoenix and here for when I'm cuz I'm rehabbing for a while out there until I would imagine until July so she will spend a lot of time out there. I mean, that's just the way it'll be. I mean, her job's pretty mobile, and she can always, she only has to come back once a month. So, I mean, for what it's worth, probably with me most of the time. Do you know what your love languages are? No, don't care. Do you know what the love languages are? No, don't care. I know what some of them are, like words of affirmation. But do you know what your girlfriends are? No. Do you try to, like, do things to make her feel special? <laughs> yes, but not not super calculated like that. I think that's some creepo shit. What's the most, like, romantic thing you ever done for Kayla? Most romantic thing I've I mean, ever I guess you guys haven't been together for, for like, a, a no, big I've, anniversary. I've got some good ones. I know she was a, she's a huge country fan, and so I, like surprised her with Jason Aldean tickets and like I bought him like the second week we met and I was just thinking like ahead where I was just like oh, I'm for sure gonna so how did what was so, what so was she, the indicator that you knew that she was worth tickets two weeks in um easy to talk to super genuine like just down to earth um doesn't take any shit from me and if Caleb's just listening, so he's he's yeah. smiling right now. Just so independent. <laughs> no, just so independent. Like, 
just rock solid. Like, I just feel like it's somebody that just makes life, I tell her, like, it ma- you make life easy for me. And that's just, like, nice to have somebody that's, like, so supportive, so loving, that's, like, your best friend, but at the same time, you know, you get to enjoy this relationship and, you know, see where it goes. Build a life. Yep. What, outside of baseball, what are just life goals that you have? Um... I'd like to get some sort of postgraduate degree in my life because I think that would also be very gratifying for me. Potentially parlay it into something where I actually am able to work, continue working after baseball. And I think it's also just a big, like, F you to people who thought I was, like, a total burnout in college that, like, I'd never graduate. Because, like, there's no way people were betting on me graduating when I left and I ended up coming back and kicking, kicking ass. So... I'd love to get another postgraduate degree or maybe even like a like a Juris Doctor and uh, maybe get barred or something, but yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, that's a life aspiration. Love to do a lot more traveling. I'd love to see the world because we lived overseas in middle school and got to see parts of the world, and I just think there's a lot of other places still to see, and I think before I die, I would like to, you know, get to experience some other people's culture and see what the rest of the world looks like, because I think that that while we're here and we have something so beautiful in front of us why would we not you and, know well speaking of when we were overseas that was how influential was that for you um really influential i mean i played in the little league system in seoul like the native korean little league system which was super intense which definitely gave me where i was already ahead of the curve coming over at nine, nine or ten years old and now i'm pushing that even further where I, when i came back skill wise i felt like i was pretty unmatched um just huge for me huge from a mentality standpoint like that's where i figured out where i really loved it like because you figure out if you love something if you're doing it every day and you're being forced to do it every day and whether you like it or not you're gonna get up and do it and that's what baseball was for me over there so when i got to college, high school and college that's why i felt almost so like relaxed like especially in college like i was always like oh, i'll figure it out because i'm like oh like we just play baseball every day like there was never a day i woke up and was like eh baseball's not it like definitely days I was like screw practice like this practice is going to be miserable but it's like I just kept showing up because that's what I knew how to do because I knew I loved this so much and Korea was definitely a big part of that for me in terms of like loving the work of showing up or loving like just having this show up every day mentality and it's just like hey whatever's coming my way whether I'm getting punched in the face or I'm going to be the hero today it doesn't matter like I'm still showing up any more other than the the traveling to your your life goals um, I mean, I'd like to have kids. I have a family. Do you know how many kids? No, not officially. I haven't two, thought that Two far is yet. man-to-man, three is zone. <laughs> Anything above two is zone defense. It's zone defense. That's what mom and dad's... Well, like, once you have three kids, I feel like you can have five. It's yeah, like, what's the difference? It's like dogs, right? Yeah. It's like once you have a bunch of them... Three is kind of the breaking You're taking point. them to the vet all at the same time. Well, and after 9-11, like, the average number of kids because you i mean we went to catholic school so it was like like nine kids yeah there's families with just like too many kids um but yeah after 9-11 it went down a shit ton and people were just having way way fewer children what's your stance on social media what kind of how often do you use it what kind of persona do you try to like do not take it that seriously I i used to do a lot on twitter I actually deleted my Twitter this off season because I was involved a lot on the baseball front and just in general, like making funny tweets, like entertaining content, mostly sports related. And then I just decided that 
it's just not worth it on the Twitter front because it's just such a fast pace. Like you spit stuff back and forth that it's just like, just from a liability, it's like I just don't want that. You want to have that type of interaction with people where they're able to like comment on my stuff immediately and I'm like going back and forth or retweeting me and like you know so easily. So I I don't have Twitter, like but limiting I, access to right, you. I do have Instagram, and I like Instagram because it's more like I more look but don't post type scenario like you aren't posting on instagram less active yeah are you on tiktok no too old for that you're too old i'm for too it? old for tiktok but you've been in tiktoks i saw a tiktok that you were in what tiktok was i, I think in? it was the one kayla made oh yeah but not like i didn't know it was for tiktok she just made a compilation of videos for tiktok into a TikTok. do you have linkedin yes you do? Yeah, I do have LinkedIn. Do you ever use it? Do you ever no, go on it? It does. And it does has, it say professional baseball it does, player? It does. I actually don't know if... I actually changed it to free agent, and then I don't know if I changed it back or you not. You got to update that. I do got to update that. Kind of like it, though, still a free agent. It's kind of gritty. What kind of uh, TV shows do you watch, if any? Um... I try to watch like mindless ones, like The Office, like where they're like. You don't. You can just jump in. Background noise, yeah. Because I just have a hard time locking in to shows like. For long periods of time, like hour episodes. Good luck. Like can't do it. Um, But like a Ted Lasso. Yeah, like a Ted Lasso, an Office. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Like Rick and Morty. Eh, Rick and Morty's good, but I got to be in a certain state of mind. Do you like this house? I do like this house. I just think so much has changed since we first got it. It's just been so wild to think about. Like, at first, it was going to be kind of like, quote unquote, Jed's. Well, not, yes, Jed's. Because mom and dad didn't know if they, they weren't going to come down make here it a for permanent. three or four more years because yeah. they thought they were going to still be working up there. And then you're thinking three or four years down the road, this is going to be Jed's house because he's going to be obviously doing well enough, which I, with his new deal, I mean, he could probably handle this on his own if he really had to yeah which is weird to think about but like yeah if mom and dad were still not coming down here then it would have been in theory True. like the way i see it or f- four or five years from now they would have not been coming here they would have gone and picked something else out so it's just weird how much has changed with covid and now they're able to work from home down here and now just things have gotten rolling so fast but i do like it i do like it down here i do like the location um it's provided a lot of opportunity for me on the baseball side so i'm very thankful for it but and yeah, it's just weird. I don't know you, how I feel about it because I felt like I've looked at it through many different lenses. Is it? Do you feel like it's weird to be like living at home, or do you feel like it's been fine? Um, it's weird because it's probably the first year I'd say it's weird because I just feel old. You know, going on twenty five now, but at the same time, I'm in such like a weird situation where it's so temporary that it's like I've never really actually from. Like, the day my graduation ended, I drove down to Cincinnati the next week to play for Midland, and pretty much ever since then, I haven't really lived at home for more than, I don't know, a a couple weeks at most. Yeah. You know, winter breaks, that's about it. So, all summers and everything, I've been spending everywhere else, and then even once I got into pro ball, like, I was not really coming home very often, finishing my degree and whatnot, so it's like, this is actually the first time I feel like I've been home since I was 17, so it's... I mean, I haven't gotten the same feeling that everybody else. Like, I'm sure Jed's just over it. Yeah. But 
I'm actually like I feel like the older I've gotten when I come home they're more and more respectful of like space my, it's your space like okay you're not well, I think that's 16 also anymore partly because they understand the situation and they in a weird way like they know we could go somewhere else I guess if we really wanted to but it like the quality of life obviously would be shittier and like obviously not having a nice home to come home to like meals on a somewhat regular basis like i mean yeah we could all get our own place and you know live paycheck to paycheck but i think they kind of want us here so it kind of creates a better dynamic that way and for me it's again so temporary that it's like i'm always getting home and then thinking about when i have to leave again so yeah it almost doesn't even make sense to have right it doesn't make sense to have permanent lodging what's your favorite thing about your relationship with jed our older brother um just how vulnerable we can be with each other like how funny like we can just say whatever we want do whatever like there's zero embarrassment factor because we just know so much about each other and like we're just so like raw and emotional with each other and like it's just it just makes for like such a genuine relationship do you guys cry together we have about anything you could share like general topic speaking no or is that more personal? You can keep it to yourself. I'll just keep that one to myself. All I mean, right. I'm not going to throw him under that bus either. My Honestly, my favorite thing is like watching him do some sort of an impression and then you just cracking up. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like he's performing literally he just for, for you. And, so and you guys just both get so much joy from it. <laughs> I think that's What would yeah. you say is his best impression? I like the Mike Tyson. <laughs> his Mike Tyson is pretty good. I think I like his. Uh, does he do? He does a George W. Yeah, George W. is funny. That's a good one. Should we got to. Donald is he Trump home? is good. His Donald Trump is, is funny. Is he home? I'm sure he is. But do you I think, think he, he would do he's an impression? Right now, not not right now. Yeah, he's he's. You got to save that for your interview with him. That's true. I, he's gonna do like the voice on my. <laughs> on mine i'm gonna have to cut so much because he goes when he gets into that character he, <laughs> he like goes, cuts you off he and then goes he goes for like five minutes and it's so funny it's but it's a, like it is funny. none of this is usable it is funny <laughs> because like and even as a kid i for sure thought he'd be like a stand-up comedian because he's just always had that quality about him where he could just, just like, like goofy like napoleon like, dynamite and, and like entertain just out of nothing like snap of a finger magic dust and then he can do something funny where like other people need like a situation or context or a prop or something stupid where he can just literally off the cuff like come up with his own content and just have people on the floor rolling laughing yeah no he's a funny guy who's the funniest person you've met Ooh. or that you know probably jed yeah legitimately jed jed just like appeals to i think a wide range of people he's an old soul yeah <laughs> he's an old he soul. does look a lot like our grandfather also <laughs> do you watch a lot of stand-up comedy or any stand-up um, I watch a decent amount. What kind is your favorite, or who are your favorites? I like Chappelle a lot. He's hilarious. Chappelle's he's good. so hilarious. He's um, good because he's so casual. I like, I like Joe Coy too. Okay. That's about. That's mostly. Yeah. Like, I'm not a big like Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer, like all those guys. Like. Yeah. I haven't gotten too deep into those. Do you? Jed's really into the Joe Rogan podcast. Are you into Joe Rogan? No. No. Not you, as do you have a, an aversion to it, or is it like? No, I like Joe. I like Joe Rogan. He's he's got a good podcast. I listen to some of them once in a while if there's like an intriguing one, but I just am not a just like not your brand. Yeah, it's not my brand. It's just not. It's too much fight like UFC stuff it for is me. A lot of UFC. All the time, 
and a lot of politics like where it's overload where i'm all right like i want to talk about something else what's uh what how would you describe your fashion style my fashion style is quiet luxury i like i like the way you said that earlier like i like really nothing nice monogrammed things. i like really nice things but i don't need a logo to show i don't need other people to know like i like nice things for me yeah do i have some stuff that has logos on it sure like yeah you can't ever totally get away from that like clothes, Champagne clothes, problems. Just, clothes just have logos like you know but for the most part i don't have a lot that's like expensive brands like on the chest or i don't always like have to wear lou like i wear sh- some of my shirts are like eight dollar shirts from the clearance rack somewhere maxinista that i just like and for me it's just more quiet luxury that like i'm confident in it and i like the way it feels and i feel like working at nordstrom too which is one of my past jobs like has given me a perspective on like i have like a more appreciation for s- style and the time that goes into it and coordinating and i think i do a good job of it and i think i get some love from from the guys in the clubhouse for sure at least they'll i get all the time where'd you get that like what is that like you know did you order that like online or like do they have that at any stores around here like stuff like that you know what is the worst job you've ever had so you've had fedex Nordstrom. working at chicken shack and when i would come home oh, I forgot during that. winter break in college i'd work at chicken shack occasionally and do pickup shifts there and it was the worst ever what were your responsibilities cleaning the grease trap doing the dishes cutting up potatoes oh, cleaning <laughs> i worked at a pizza place that was probably the worst job and have you still catch like kept in touch with your michigan friends being down here like consistently not nearly as much i still talk to like connor matzik who's one of my friends from high school but pretty much and zach shango luke krausman like a handful of the guys that like i was close with but besides that not really i don't really talk to many of other people from michigan anymore honestly i think you just grow apart when when you have different goals and you everybody gets busy doing what they're doing and not that i don't have love for those people but it's just you kind of get going with your with your everyday stuff and they do too and you know it's part of life i think do you have any insecurities uh used to be my weight for sure uh definitely my weight but that's kind of taking care of itself um yeah like i mean as a as a like i i get insecure all the time about like like baseball stuff like what you always get caught in this trap of what people think of you and you have always just have to find your way out of it with it just doesn't matter and i don't know i think insecurities are like i'm sure i have them from time to time but i think it's a pretty dynamic thing for me like it's not ever just one one thing that's like i wake up every day and i'm like i hate this part about me or like i want to hide this it's just i kind of am who i am and yeah there's things that come and go that i am insecure about but nothing nothing that i think that stands in my way you know on a daily basis mentally how do you prepare for like a big event to try to minimize those insecurities or minimize that anxiety like do you have a a routine or is it just kind of no, my routine is no routine my routine is i've trusted my training i've done all the work and now is the part where i get to enjoy it and for like for better or for worse if the guy has to go out there and hit a three-run home run off me and embarrass me in front of everybody then so be it because that's what i've earned and i'm gonna get what i've earned no matter what how i think like whether i put all this pressure on me or i don't so you know the game i, I always think that the game's kind of always been 
decided before. It's just now you have to go out and play it. And I think guys get really hung up on how big this moment is or, you know, this one doesn't matter. It's a 10-run game. And it's like, no, they all matter the same. It's like anytime you get to throw the ball 60 feet, 6 inches with a guy in the box, it's like you're – it matters and, and, you should, and you should care. And it should be – you know, a professional approach, and I'm just—that's what I go, way I go about it. I just describe myself as I'm a professional in all, all situations. I don't—I don't change whether we're out here in the back West Tampa fields or I'm in a major league stadium. I—I I come at it with the same thing, and I think that takes away a lot of that anxiety and stuff because it's like I don't make a situation too big and I don't make a situation too small. There's—I don't take it for granted and I don't, you know, blow it up to something that it's not. What? Would you say at this point in your career is the biggest moment you've you've had? Maybe it was like an outing or. And I've had a lot of big ones. I mean, in high school, I pitched a lot in front of scouts. I mean, those thinking about like the impact on your career, like those are probably the biggest ones when you're coming down the stretch in the spring of your senior year, the spring of your junior year of college, where you know that's where all the all the you know draft positioning gets decided and. Those are some big ones. I mean, when you know it's got a direct effect on your on your future prospects. But I mean, outside of that, they're there's, they're kind of all a blur. I don't you don't remember a whole lot of the 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 baseball side of stuff. You remember a lot more like the relationships and everything else around it. So it's like I can't really put a, th- a finger on like the biggest that I've ever had. I mean, I've had some crazy games. I mean, I think I in high school I had a couple sixteen strikeout no hitters. Uh, in pro ball, I mean, I've I've gone on you know scoreless streaks and all that type of stuff. I mean, where I've thrown really well in front of a lot of people, but I don't ever look at it like it's always a me versus me game. I'm glad we could wrap this up. I got to pee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. It was a pleasure. Right, thanks for having me. Anytime. Is that enough content?